Hey, welcome back, y'all. Today, we are so excited for you to hear our conversation with Brian Williams. Brian is the founder of Think Kindness, which inspires measurable acts of kindness in schools and communities around the world. They believe that each act of kindness, no matter how small, has an unforeseeable ripple effect that makes the world a better place. Brian's passion in life is to inspire youth that every single person has the ability to make a difference in someone's life, no matter how rich, poor, or dysfunctional your world may be. Everyone has the ability to impact someone else's life in a positive way. I can't wait for y'all to hear this conversation, and we're going to challenge you throughout, and we hope y'all enjoy. Hi, I'm Brandon. And I'm Megan. For years, we were stuck in a rut, always complaining that nothing ever changed for us. And then we realized, if we wanted to improve our lives, we had to put in the work. Each week on this podcast, we'll get into an aspect of personal growth, relationships, or just life. Through our own experiences and guest interviews, we hope to inspire you to make your own positive changes. Welcome Welcome to to the the Fools in Love Podcast. Podcast. Brian, we're so excited to have you here. I'm glad we could connect, man. Welcome. Yes, I'm excited to be here. Yeah, so cool. So right off the bat, we always like to just start with, could you just give some some background about you, your journey? We always love to hear people's stories. And I think it just allows all of us as humans to connect a little more when we know each other's stories. Would you mind sharing with us? Yeah. So I run a nonprofit organization called Think Kindness, and we're based out of Reno, Nevada, but we do work uh, primarily 98% of our works outside of Reno across the country. And our main mission is to inspire kindness in schools and communities around the world. And when we first were starting Think Kindness, it was kind of like an accidental like fall into starting a nonprofit. I had no intention of starting a nonprofit organization. I had no intention of being a youth uh, motivational speaker traveling around the country. I went to school for business and marketing. And in fact, I lived in LA, did an entourage of different marketing director positions, you know, anything from uh, running major fitness gyms and doing all the marketing for that to the suit and tie commodity job, which I, I utterly hate it. I'm not a suit and tie type of person. So, and uh, then my dad got sick and I moved home and we had a, I, I, I had a class that I was, was taking and they gave us this competition, this internal class competition to see if we could create an event that would draw community attention. And when, when that class happened, there was one, one group of students, they did like a hot dog eating contest. Another group did a 5k race. And my team, we kind of had like an ulterior motive. This one professor was like one of those most negative people that you ever meet, you know, that they just have a black cloud over them, no matter what, like you could tell them I won the lottery and they're going to complain about, well, I have to pay taxes, but I won $500 million, right? <laughs> like those type of people. <laughs> And, and so he's that type of individual. So what we decided to do is seeing if we could get three, uh, three middle schools and two high schools to band together to make a massive difference in the world in 15 days. And we wrote a rough draft. We gave it to him and he returned it a week later. And he says, Hey, I highly recommend you choose a different audience if you want to make that big of an impact. And basically what he was saying is if we wanted to make an impact in the world, we should focus on adults. Adults have money, connections, resources. And so rather than take his advice, we decided to try to prove him wrong. So we, we went to some local middle schools and, and a high school. We even added some elementary schools. And we posed a challenge to see if we could document 5,000 random acts of kindness in 15 days. And 
then the newspaper came out, which is what we needed to get an A in the class. And within the middle schools and the high schools, we decided to see if they could collect 5,000 pairs of shoes also. And we did the research. We found there's 300 million children in the world that go barefoot every day. There's two point, over 2.4 billion new shoes purchased on average in the US. You know, half of them are in my wife's closet. Um, <laughs> but we decided, like, what do all the old shoes go that the new ones replace? And most of the time, they, they just end up staying in their closet or they go in the trash. So we wanted to collect 5,000 pairs of gently used shoes. Well, when the newspaper came out to cover the event, the headline in the article was local students think they can collect 5,000 shoes. And this, there was a key word there. I don't know if you caught it, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And this lit a fire under everyone's butts. We had elementary school classrooms, fitness gyms, community organizations. And within 15 days, we hit 8,000 pairs of shoes and we used parking spaces to sort them. So we had size sixes and sevens and eights. Well, the news came out again and they brought their cameras to see what does 8,000 pairs of shoes actually look like. Then we took it one step further and we wanted to be the ones to deliver them in Africa. And we, we raised the funds, not to just send 8,000 pairs of shoes, but to also send ourselves. And we, and we filmed a little mini documentary on that first trip. And when we got back from there, uh, what I noticed was twofold. Number one, I saw the impact that students could have by all working together in solidarity. Number two, I could see the impact they could have within their school and within the community. Number three, the impact they could have around the world. And lastly, number four is when we went to Africa, I got to live amongst some of the poorest of the poor. We lived in the orphanage and those kids, despite being so poor, they still had the audacity to think that they could be the ones to make a difference in the world. Mm -hmm. Yet when you come to the United States, you can have a school or students or adults that have an immense amount of resource, education, technology, yet they look at the world like, how can you change the world? You know, and two totally different views. Then the last thing that we noticed came several weeks later from that assembly is we noticed bullying incidences dropped. One of the schools had a 32% decrease in bullying. We never talked about bullying. All we did was talk about kindness. And that's Mm -hmm. kind of where Think Kindness was born. Wow. I mean, that's, I don't even know where to start with that. I mean, it's incredible. It's amazing that you're just that school project was enough to, to take, take that ball and run with it. And you're still running with it today, but it's, it's incredible because like you said, the, the kids that were in those orphanages, the kids that were poor by the world standards shouldn't have had any thoughts that they could do any of that. I think a lot of times in our popular culture, you get kind of all the the negatives. You go immediately 100%. to the negatives, just like that teacher you said you had did. They, they're like, well, you might want to change this. You might want to do that without actually thinking about the impact you can make. And so, but it's amazing that, that you took that one word and we're like, oh no, we'll, we'll, we don't yeah, think we'll you're wrong to do it. <laughs> and I love how the, the, then the think kindness think works right in there with the, with your nonprofit. I don't know if that was on purpose or if that yeah. was by design, but yeah. <laughs> Yeah. The, uh, well, it's amazing when you look at like how much negativity we're surrounded with every single day, right? You turn on the news. In fact, in my middle school and high school presentations, I asked the question, do you guys think the news is more full of good news or bad news? The overwhelming answer is always hundred percent bad news, right? We're surrounded by negativity so much, but then it starts to shift the way that you perceive the world. And so I don't know, there's like the, 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 
the white car theory, right? The white car theory is that if you're shopping or you could say a red car, name your car, right? But if you're shopping for this one red car, no one drives it. As soon as you want it, all of a sudden you're like, you start noticing that exact same car everywhere, mm-hmm. right? Because you're, you're, you're more aware. And the same thing happens if we're showcased so much negativity, it starts to shift the way that we perceive the world is that when you turn off the TV, you walk outside, you start noticing more of the negativity to re- reaffirm what you just saw in the news, that we are surrounded by so much negativity. And pretty soon that changes the way that you perceive the world and eventually even the way you perceive yourself. And so you know, the, the number one person that's going to tell someone that they're not good enough is going to be themselves. And once a, a high school student, middle school student, and even adult really starts noticing the impact when they look in the mirror, do they notice the good things about themselves or the bad? Uh, when they look at when they go into a party or when they go into a, a certain event, or do they start noticing that's everything wrong about it? Or do they notice things that are positive about it? And I think that's the difference at the orphanage. As soon as you meet someone, they greet you as friend. Like they say, hello, friend, you know, how much different would our world be is if we just greeted everyone as friends immediately. But right now, you know, and I'm guilty of this. A lot of people in Western culture is guilty of this. You you just judge people just by who introduced you, the clothes that they wear, uh, the environment that you're meeting them in, uh, the mood that you're in, right? You're just like, you just have this closed off nature. And I think media negativity really, you know, perpetuates this to a different level that we just have to be aware of. Absolutely. So do you guys right now, are you still running those kind of challenges and are you primarily in the elementary schools or middle school, high school? Like what does that look like today? Yeah. So it's a lot different today in in COVID world, but no, yeah, yeah, for sure. The, yeah, we're still challenging schools. So usually we're in about 180 schools where we challenge them to document 5,000 acts of kindness, and then they still do the shoe dries. And so since we started in 2009, so since 2009, you know, we've had, uh, we now have about four or five trips a year to Africa. We work in Kenya, uh, Ghana, and now we're adding Tanzania. And so we have four trips a year where volunteers, students can come with us. And when we go and we speak to schools, we still give them that challenge to change the world in 15 days. And in middle school and high school, we, we customize it to their school. And so we try to come up with something that gets them excited because every school and every student body has something that really connects that student body here on the West coast last year. I don't know if you remember, we had ample amounts of forest fires and it literally ravaged in, in, in some instances, it totally took over entire cities. And so helping displaced families or men and women that were fighting the fires and the first responders, that was something that resonated with local students. You know, over there in North Carolina, when we had the hurricanes go through, right, that was something that really resonated with the students when that happened. And how can they help from doing teddy bears and and doing a shoe drive, but instead of having the shoes go overseas, how can they go to local residents? And so what we first try to do is figure out something that lights the students' hearts on fire. Because at the end of the day, what the shoe do is awesome, but it's a vehicle to a bigger lesson. And our bigger lesson is to say, look, let's do an act of kindness. And I want you to visually see the impact that you had. And once you see the impact that you had, you're going to be more, more apt to repeat that behavior in essence, perpetuating the kindness movement that we want to want to create. I love that. That's beautiful. Do you find like, cause you're concentrating on kids, but I'm wondering as these kids have these life-changing experiences, as they go through all these acts of kindness, 
do they impact even just their in their own core family? Are they having massive impact even just in the four walls of their home? Yeah, I'll get messages from parents that were kind of tuned off to the the school announcements because schools sometimes send out hundreds of emails. <laughs> Realistically, parents <laughs> don't read all of them, and so they'll email me like, "Why is my son and daughter like all of a sudden doing the dishes?" Like, what's happening? What did you say to them? And and so that's one. Or it's just creating more understanding for students to realize on how many, how much like parents actually do for them. Because innately, there's this battle, especially in middle school and high school, that it's you know it's students versus their parents, right? There's this battle, Mm -hmm. and having students kind of lift that veil to be a little bit more empathetic on what parents are doing and how much they're going through to provide what resources they can to their child. And, and so that's another one to have a little bit more empathy. And that even goes into having more empathy from students and even some understanding on some of the things that aren't going very well in my middle school and high school. I tell a story about when my friend in seventh grade committed suicide. And that's a very, obviously a low point of the speech, but here, even in Washoe County in Reno, Nevada, we're in the top, I want to say the top eight in the country for teen suicide. In fact, if you're between 12 and 23 years old, the number one cause of death in Washoe County is suicide. Mm-hmm. And, and it's a, unfortunately it's, I don't want to say it's a trend, but it's a growing issue within schools. And so, and there's not one silver bowl on why is this happening? I think there's a, a an entourage of different reasons, but there's also some of the home environments that these students have to go home to is not the best. And that's one thing we noticed with COVID is students are home from school, but sometimes school is their escape and mm-hmm. school was their sense of normalcy. And there'll be countless times where at least four or five times a year, all of students come up and, you know, last year, one, one moment was when a student says, Hey, my mom drives us home drunk every day from soccer practice, you know, and you're just like, what? Or so a student rolls up their sleeves and they're cutting. And then, you know, it's just, but that's also a moment to be celebrated because they had the courage and they felt comfortable enough to come forward. And then that's an opportunity to help or, um, or that they're so comfortable enough that they're like, I'm okay, but this was my story and I want to help people too. And so, you know, I guess it's having a lot more understanding. And what we do notice is by inspiring kindness in schools, it opens up this, this door for people to, to come in and help and, and feel a part of a bigger community. Right. Right. And is that, I mean, a lot of that with you being in the schools, I mean, I know we've kind of touched on it a little bit, but I'm just fascinated by when you were thinking about this and taking on this path, what led you to kids? I mean, obviously, is it more that they're, they're more impressionable, like they're not rooted in their beliefs and and they're kind of easier to convince that this movement works rather than, you know, the adults that get out in the negativity is it the imagination of the kids? Like kids are just, you know, I've, I've even heard you speak before about kids. If you ask a kid what they want to do, they don't think about all the obstacles. They think about, well, I want to do this or that. Like our daughter wants to be the tooth fairy when she grows up and I'm not going to fight her on it. (laughs) Yeah. And so, you know, is it, is it a little of both or what let, what do you think makes kids the greatest place to kind of go in and make the largest impact? 
Well, it sets the foundation for their future in terms of the way that they look at the world. And, you know, in an elementary school, we try to get them to focus on the acts of kindness they're doing by writing them down. But once they write down every time they open the door for someone, they instantly realize everyone opens the door for them, right? So that one's more of be aware of all the good things that are happening around us. And within that, we ask them to be kind as ninjas, right? Because it makes it fun and engaging and sneak around doing acts of kindness. In middle school and high school, it shifts. And because that's where middle school and high school is where a veil gets lifted over their eyes, where they start having a realization on the world that they live in. Uh, Maybe they do live in poverty. Maybe their parents are divorced or maybe they're married, but they fight all the time. Or maybe there is alcoholism, or maybe they realize when they go shopping, my mom, those things she's giving are food stamps or whatever it is. They start realizing what's happening. And it's really important for us to let them know that, hey, everyone in the world uh, has gone through adversity. And in middle school and high school, they jump online and they, they look at all these highlight reels of people's lives online. And they think, how could I ever be like that? Because I'm not, they don't see the behind the scenes. You know, it's like the idea, it takes 10 years to be an overnight success, right? And so they compare their life and their happiness. I can't be that happy because I'm not that rich or I don't have that new phone or I don't have this. So they're always pushing that back, you know? So that's one. And so I think it's a great way for us to, to get in when that perception becomes real within them. The other reason is because if I can gather 500 students to rally behind a cause, it draws attention. And if you see, if I get an adult and I record them talking about why they, why we should be kind to each other, most adults are going to brush it off. But let's be honest. If I got an outspoken 11 year old to literally sit there and be like, look, we need to be nice to each other. Odds are more people are going to listen. In fact, last year we had our, our national kindness speech contest. And so we had students submit all these speeches and uh, nine-year-old Orion won and he was featured on Good Morning America. And, and so then Martha Stewart featured a live like Instagram video with them and Oplay, do, uh, Yoplay, Yoplay Yogurt gave him a hundred thousand uh, things of yogurt to give to local homeless in Dallas. Mm-hmm. Um, like he's nine, but his words people paid attention to. So I think that's the other reason is we can inspire adults by rallying a bunch of kids together. And lastly is more of a selfish reason. I feel more comfortable, <laughs> right? <laughs> when I was first talking to get in front of a bunch of kids, you know, but now we are going after, um, we do, you know, personally, I do speak to a large handful of corporations as well on how to create more kindness in the workplace. And to create that culture, because everyone, you want work to be fun in some place you want to go to. And how can we create that same movement within, you know, a corporate culture? Yeah, that's incredible. I mean, when, even when you were talking about it, like you were touching on like, well, if, you know, you talk to an adult about kindness or you talk about a kid, when you started talking about the kids, giving the examples, I had a smile on my face naturally, where like, if you were talking about adults, it's like, yeah, okay. And I mean, I think we all know in this world we live in people focus on the negativity. So like you said, if you can get in and talk to those kids and get that impression and, and get those roots in, I mean, it's incredible to see the movement. And like, we've, we've, I mean, we've all seen it so many times you get kids behind a cause and can get that rallying cry going. And like you said, people start to pay attention because there is so much negativity that you have to have something large to break through that veil of negativity and get to a place that's positive. To the yep. point where it's hard to even find positive news 
let alone take take it in, you know, in more than one instance. So that's that's incredible. hundred percent. And I've been really geeking out on the scientific impact of kindness. You know, I'm thinking that if I wrote a book that that would be like kind of what I'm focusing on. And I've been really diving in deep to all the studies that are happening based around kindness. UCLA just opened up the first ever Institute of Kindness, literally a, a division of UCLA that has funding to research the impact of empathy and kindness across the board and culture and, or sorry, corporate culture in schools and things like that. And what, what one of the studies came out with is you could actually retrain your brain to notice more positivity around you by doing two minutes of actively doing something kind for someone else. So not a a quote unquote random act of kindness. It's an intentional random act of kindness saying, all right, I'm going to spend two minutes of writing an amazing Facebook post talking about why this person matters in my life, right? Or sending this text message, or I'm going to go out of my way to tape, you know, $5 bills on every gas pump at the gas station or whatever it may be. And what they noticed is if you do that two minutes a day for 30 days, you'll actually shift your perception of the world. And, and this, obviously this study is actually fairly recent and it's on our website, thinkkindness.org where we're, I'm posting kind of a whole blog series on the scientific impact of kindness. And so there was another one that was done on just, if you go out and you actively seek out good news. So I went in and I don't know if, if the listeners want to do this too, you can go to Google alerts and you can create your own Google alert and just put in the, 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 the tag kindness, just to put that in keyword kindness and do it once a week, have it deliver on a Friday. Well, every Friday, you're going to get a massive email of every news article, every blog post that talked about kindness. And you're just going to be inundated by all of these amazing stories of people that are out there making a difference in the world. Because truth be told, there's seven over 7 billion people on our planet. There's billions and billions and billions and billions and billions of more good people than there are bad. And we have to realize that because you know, we're all surrounded by good people and we just need to remind ourselves that our world's still an amazing place because there's people like you, there's people like us, like our kids in it to, to kind of perpetuate that. That's really cool. Okay. So the science of kindness, you say? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. We're nerds, we're nerds too. So we want to, we want to hear more about this for sure. <laughs> yeah. So the, uh, there's been ample amounts of studies that have been done. Uh, one was on the virality of kindness, on how, how, how does kindness spread? And they did it by two things. One, there was another study that was done, and it was actually by a virologist and a uh, psychologist. It was a joint study. And what they did is they took a small neighborhood and, um, and obviously they had control groups and things like that set up to make it, you know, uh, a scientifically accurate study and assessment, but basically the nutshell of it is what they did is they had one community where they said, uh, Hey, your neighbor donated $150 to charity. Right. And then they had their control group where they didn't say, say anything. They left it up to the neighbors. Well, what they noticed is that if by just telling someone, which was a complete lie, right? So their neighbors didn't donate $150 to charity. They just told everyone that their neighbors donated $150 to charity. The charitable giving in that community went up tenfold, you know? And so then there was a, then to test that even more, they had classes where they spent uh, time just looking at acts of kindness on video. And then they, then they did another one on how many people went and did something kind within 24, 48 hours of watching that. Within 24 hours, the, this data like exploded. 
And it's just showcased that when you do something kind, it it's infectious. And so it makes someone else want to, to mimic that behavior in a way that they want that feeling. Then there's the whole biological aspect on, on the endorphins that kindness releases in your brain, and that could become addictive and what that does for you. So there's just so many different things, but from a parent perspective, what, and that's kind of where I look at a lot of these studies. And uh, I think it's one of the biggest things for us to remember is that if you see an act of kindness, you're more apt to, to look and in, in maybe imitate that behavior. And as a parent, uh, they say, you know, your kids will not do as you do or not do as you say, they'll do as you do. And so if your kids see you do an act of kindness, that's huge. And even as a parent, even if you're not doing an act of kindness, but even if you hit pause, say that was awfully kind of the server. Did you notice how she did blah, 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 or that was awfully kind of that person to lesson in that parking spot by you just hitting pause on the world and shining a spotlight on the acts of kindness that are happening. It now lets them become aware of that and, and realize that there are good things happening around us. And I think that's so cool too, because you've just said a few cool things to me. You've said, number one, that you can change everything in a couple minutes a day and you can change everything by showing people what other people are doing. So like, how easy is that? And how silly are we for not doing more of that? Especially as parents, if you're, if you're talking the parent route, like why don't we take those few minutes and and show those kind of things? I mean, it's almost embarrassing how little we do it when you're talking about how clearly easy and time, like not time consuming that it is. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent, hundred percent. And, and for kids, it could be fun too. You know, for our daughter, we, we have a little allowance And then I told her one day, I go, Hey, all right, how about this? I want to double it. And she was like, yeah. Right. And so, (laughs) but I go, but here's the deal. What we're doubling is going to be your, your charity jar. Right. And so we doubled her allowance, but this part is for her to figure out how she wants to give it away. Well, then pretty soon, you know, she got together with her sister and said, Hey, if we double our money and pick a cause, well, now they're just geeking out on everything they can do with the, you know, $52 or whatever is in the bucket, you know, from going, can we buy dog treats and go to the humane society and give every dog a dog treat? Sure. hundred percent. Let's do it. But we're not walking away with the dog. Yeah, let me get that straight. <laughs> right. um, like I know where you're going with this, but um, you know, so, but that gets them their mind thinking like on what, what they can do. Yeah. I think too, it's important because the idea is, I think a lot of people, if you challenge them, they would say, they're going to go out and try to be a happier person or more positive person. But it sounds like the real impact is then sharing that happiness, that kindness with someone else. Not necessarily, I think a lot of times we're, we're very family centric with our own families and that's amazing, but then we keep it in house and we don't go out and then spread that kindness, share that kindness with the world. And so it's real important what you said that it's, it's, great. And it's one thing to be like more positive, but if you're not sharing that with other people, you're not going to have a real impact on this world the way you'd like to. Oh, hundred percent. And, and I think it's, some people feel awkward sharing the, the nice things they've done for other people. You know, they feel like it's bragging and I, and I get that like kindness should be something that's natural, but you also have to realize that that one ounce of that positive post that you're sharing online breaks the monotony of all the negativity everyone sees. And, and that's also a gift to the world, you know? And so if you do do an act of kindness, don't feel ashamed on bragging about what you're doing, you know, and it could be something, maybe every Friday you go out and you do a, you know, good, 
good deed Friday or whatever you want to call it. And you just go out and you just, maybe that's the one post you share. Uh, maybe you're doing a, the, what the double, double, the double, the total challenge where someone, you know, you take the tip and whatever it is you, you know, or do, tip the bill, I think is what it's a hashtag tip the bill, you know, or you can come up with so many creative things, but when you share that, it's letting everyone else know when they look through their monotonous feed of all the negativity, especially in lights of politics today, you're saying, look, yeah, you know, people have their differences, but at the same day, at the end of the day, we're all human. We all want our world to be a better place. That's common ground. And, you know, maybe our methodologies to get there are different, but at the end of the day, we all want kindness. We want love. We want respect. We want empathy. And, uh, and it's something that we can share every day. Yeah. And so I, I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit. So when you're talking to these kids and you're giving these speeches in your assemblies, do you give them certain ideas for acts of kindness that they could spread into the community easily? Because like understanding that most people don't want to necessarily make an economical commitment, but something that they could give their time, their energy. Are there, are there simple things that we could then challenge our audience with today is what I'm getting at that they could go out this week and then spread some kindness and just see for themselves. Because I think saying it's one thing, but taking that action and seeing it for yourself is a completely other thing. Yeah, totally. So we have a kindness challenge checklist that we we give everybody uh, or make it available for the, the, the students. And some of the things uh, on it are easy. Some of them require uh, a little bit of bravery. And, you know, uh, and so I would say if I had to challenge listeners, when I speak to an adult audience, I actually have them. I mentioned that study. If you do two minutes of actually doing something kind, you'll be happier by the end of the day. So I go, let's put this study to the test and we're going to do two minutes, four acts of kindness throughout the course of this presentation. And so one of them is take out your phone, find a name of someone that you have just lost contact with just because we're adults and we're busy and just send them a text message. Hey, was thinking about you. Hope all is well, right? Just send that message and watch what comes back. The stories that I get from that random text message have been everything from, oh my gosh, I just had coffee with my high school best friend that I haven't seen in 15 years to even the horror story about that. We went out, we hung out for a month and then they randomly passed away in a car accident and they're so thankful. And, And so one, I challenge all everyone, send a random text message to somebody. Number two, tell someone in your life that you appreciate them and even if it feels awkward to be like, I appreciate you, just do something to showcase that you appreciate them. If you're married, fill your, your spouse's car up with gas, right? I mean, that's always nice. Let's just like mm-hmm. randomly go, hey, fill the car full of gas. Like what? Cool. Or take it to the car wash. Something super simple and easy. So there's always just super simple things to do that, uh, you know, with kids, if you have kids, uh, everyone has tons of rocks in their, in their yard get a rock, paint it, make a really nice saying on it and bring it to your local park, right? Now, every time they go to the park, they're going to be looking for their rock. And if it disappears, that's awesome because it means someone wanted to take that home, right? And that's another super, those are projects that bring families together that your kids are going to remember, right? Like the day that you went and you left a bunch of random rocks and parks around the community. And when you share it, you take pictures, look at our kindness rocks. Everyone else would be like, that's cool. Maybe they do it too. And that's a message that we all want to, to spread. 
We actually, our kids actually got really into the rock painting thing at the beginning of COVID. So like a year ago now, and they did, they took them to the park. They would always come back the next day, see which ones were still around. And it was a very cool thing to see. And just reminded when you're talking about that, just reminded me of how yeah. like it was, it became like a whole family thing. Like we all wanted to know, like, where did we leave that rock? And is it still here? <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, we have, so we have our own little rock garden in our front and, and we'll get a little porch pirates that'll take some, you know, and, uh, <laughs> Uh, and, but yeah, I mean, it's one of those things your kids are going to remember that, you know, the randomness when we go a, a fun one. And even if you don't have kids and you go on a date, this is a great, great thing to do on a date too. But next time you go to a restaurant, sit down and like, mm-hmm. I'm a people watcher. And one of the things that me and my wife did, we always used to make up everyone's backstories, right? So you see <laughs> someone be like, all right, that guy's totally a CIA agent. Like you could tell these, whatever it is, maybe, right. We just give everyone crazy backstories. So next time you go and you people watch at a restaurant, randomly choose a couple, uh, and buy them dessert and have the server drop it right away. If he says, well, they haven't eaten dinner yet. I don't care. Give them the apple pie, so on and so forth. And then leave a nice note and tell them to give it to them with the dessert and just watch their reaction. Totally anonymous. It's always priceless. And when your kids see this, they're literally able to see an act of kindness go full circle. One, they get to be sneaky and ninja and choose their victim. Right. And number two, they get the dessert. Number three, they get to see their reaction and then try to like, as they're looking around the restaurant, wondering who did it, they're like, uh, uh, you know, seeing if they give it away. And, uh, that's another really super fun one that might only cost like five or six bucks. Wow. That's incredible. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I've definitely appreciated talking to you today and just hearing more about, about think kindness, hearing about the work you're doing. I, I respect and commend it greatly. And if people want to find you, Brian, how can they find you? Yeah. If they want, they just go to thinkkindness.org is our website. We're also on Instagram, Think Kindness as well, and on Facebook. And if they want to get involved and have us either one, go and speak to their, their do a kindness challenge at their son or daughter's school, by all means, that's something we do. If you're listening and you've wanted to ever travel to Africa, we've got four trips a year where we're always looking for volunteers to come with us, where every trip is different where we literally customize the trip off of the skills and talents of the team. So if someone's amazing at singing or music or drums or as a doctor or a nurse or a yoga instructor, cool. We're going to customize the trip based off the talents of the team that's coming so we can make the biggest impact and and use your skills to make the biggest impact possible. So if that's of interest, and if you want to see the, the, the journey that we take in Africa, we filmed the documentary, it's on Amazon. And so if you look up Inspire Hope on Amazon, it's free if you have Amazon Prime, um, that's the documentary we shot. You just type in Inspire Hope and, and you'll see it. We're totally going to check that yes, one out. We <laughs> yes. We're into documentaries anyway. Oh, there you go. I told you we're nerds. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Well, great, Brian. Thank you so much for being here, man. We greatly appreciate it. And we wish you well going forward as well, man. Well, thank you for the time. And uh, yeah, and I can't wait to see what the listeners do. And Hey, B, what did you think of that episode? I think it was pretty dang good. Well, what should someone do if they enjoyed these last 30 minutes? They should probably head over and leave us a review so we can reach more people. They definitely should. Guys, if you like the Fools in Love podcast, please go follow us over on Instagram at Fools in Love Podcast. We'd love to connect with you and learn more about what you'd like to hear.